What's going on, guys? Welcome back. We're here on Black Hollywood Live for yet another Conversations episode. And let me tell you guys, it's a very special day because Black Hollywood Live is getting pretty big time. We've got a real live A-lister. We've got one of the Justice League in studio, guys. Hang out with me right now. We are going to talk to Ray Fisher. We'll see you in just one quick second. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live. Conversations. Now we have the Pokemon theme. You've got the Pokemon theme. Yeah, I'm matching you It's a theme earth. for life. Yeah. To catch them is my real test. Oh, the lights. To train them is my call. You need strobe when do, it comes to this. Do, do, do. I will travel across the land, searching far and wide. You better watch out. Each Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon. Gotta catch them. It's you and me. Pokemon. I know it's my destiny. Pokemon. Whoa, you're my best friend. In a world we must defend. You know we're gonna defend it together. Come on now. <laughs> Gotta catch them. Our hearts are true. <laughs> you better sing it with me. I was singing, man. I was singing. Now you teach me, and I'm gonna teach you. Yeah. Pokemon. You gotta catch them all. And we're Pokemon. back. Here we are. <laughs> it's a theme for life, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you get out of bed every day in the morning. You go seize the day. You go catch all those Pokemon, your dreams, whatever, whatever's happening in your world. It's yes. just a metaphor for your dreams. Go catch your dreams. That's what we're here to talk about, guys. So we're launching a brand new Pokemon installment. No, just kidding. We're here. It's, it's Black Eye Live. It's Conversations. And, guys, this is a huge day. I mean, this is massive. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, the cyborg. I, I'm here. I'm here. It's just as massive for me, though. I mean, I appreciate you having me on. I really, really do. This is Any so chance exciting. I get to talk about what it is we do, yeah. I'm, I'm privileged, I'm humbled, I'm ecstatic to do it. So you've been, like, all over the world recently, right? Like, in the last week, you've been a bunch of countries, promoting the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to, uh, we went to Beijing. We went to China. Uh, the reception there was beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, the fans are super passionate. Yeah. We just got back from London a bit ago doing a press junket out there. Same setup over that way. You know, they had a, uh, this huge display for Justice League. Right. And, the, you know, they have each room is set up. Uh, sort of like uh, what each hero represents. So you have Barry Allen's room. It's set okay, up like cool. his, his scene with Bruce Wayne. Right. You've got Diana Prince's room set up, and she's doing, you know, like the, the, the when she's dusting off the archaeology yeah, and all right. that stuff. Uh, Aquaman's is a bar, obviously. You sure, know, right. Shout out to Jason Momoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, Cyborg's is the Red Room, okay. which is, you know, where he's born in both the comic lore and in our, and in our movie iteration. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was so, dope, man. It was really good. So, like, when you're on the road like that, you're traveling with the whole gang. Does it kind of feel like you guys are like the like it's a group? You know the <laughs> you know the gang. Like you're kind of hanging out like the Justice League a little bit. It feels that way. I mean, luckily we're we're not tired of each other just yet. Right. <laughs> um, I will say every time I get a call and I ask like, well, who's going to be there? And they're like, everybody. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, okay, it's fun. good, good, good. It's like a family reunion. You know? Because you guys aren't obviously like shooting together all the time. So you had scenes with some people, and so months would pass where you wouldn't see someone. Right? Yeah. I mean, weeks more like. Um, you know, we shot in London for about eight months from yeah. like March to October uh, in two th- uh, last year. And obviously with the additional photography that we had done, you know, this past summer. Um, but it's a situation you, you walk on you walk on set and you feel like your family. You feel like your home. Right. You know, it's a, and that's a testament to the way that Zach, uh, Zach Snyder and Debbie Snyder and, you know, everyone involved sort of ran that camp. Right. Um, you know, you just walk on and you feel a part of it. So now that we're getting closer and closer, this mm-hmm. this has obviously been a massive experience for you in your life, right? Because it's just the last few years, it's like it's literally life changing, right? This has been the singular focus of the last three years of my life. I've been eating, sleeping, breathing, dreaming Justice League. Right. Uh, for me, it's honestly it's a dream come true. 
I don't think there's any project, you know, that I would have wanted to do that that makes the most sense for me as right. an actor. And, you know, this is stuff that I grew up loving as a kid. So, you know, it's just this, this strange, like, coming full circle, being able to be a part of this now. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing, man. So taking back to April 2014, that okay. article comes out. You get announced, right? And, and it happens, and it's the, the big announcement, and there's the picture of you, and it's, it's from the Muhammad Ali play that you were in. That's, like, the yeah. big headline. Like, it's stage actor, and he's going to be cyborg. Mm-hmm. That news breaks, and the world goes totally crazy. Do you remember where you were at that moment? I do remember. I remember I was panicking in a sushi restaurant because <laughs> someone had... Uh, that news was not supposed to be announced. Oh, that man. was not an official announcement. And so I'm like, oh, no. I was like, what happened? Uh, are they, they going to think it was me? Like, am I going to lose my job? Like, it's that kind of situation. Right. Because these things, they just have a way of getting out there. Of course. And so uh, once I was assured, like, listen, you know, it didn't come from you, yada, yada, yada. That's when I was able to, like, breathe in it. But my first instinct was, like, panic. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, they, we keep things under a pretty tight net of security. Sure. So uh, once I settled down from that, uh, I actually got the call from Zach, you know, a little bit before that article dropped. Because and that's knew, yeah. Exactly. And that's when I knew about it. But I couldn't tell anyone. And so I'm on the phone with Zach, and he's like, hey, listen, uh, you know, just don't say anything to anybody about it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I call my mom, and I'm like, hey, mom, just so you know, something crazy happened. I can't tell you what it is, but just just know that, like, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, she didn't know. And she didn't want to know, because she's, I'm like, I try to downplay things generally. Okay. And so she knows if I get super excited about something, she's like, look, this is real. I don't need to know. Just keep doing it. Tell me when you can. So, like, at that point when it happened, how long had you known for? I'd known maybe about a week and a half or so. Oh, so week it, and was... A half to, it was super fresh. Wow. Yeah, super fresh. And, um, you know, it was very, it was very interesting because, you know, certain, certain things end up coming out that are true. Some things end up coming out that are not so true. It's just like this weird sort of Hollywood hype, speculative course, right. uh, sort of area that you live in. So, like, when that, that period of your life, right, that's obviously right on the cusp of when everything kind of kicked into DC Comics world where you become a literal superhero. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit what a month, like, a month in your life like that, because there was, there was the whole thing at that time with you and Star Wars, and you were announced as one of the finalists to play Jump the yeah. Boyega got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was every day a little bit of just, like, a maelstrom for you? You or? know what's crazy? On the Star Wars side of things, yeah. like, that rumor, great, great free publicity, but that was absolutely unfounded and untrue. Uh, oh really yeah that article had come out and then my name was on this list uh, and I was like well I've never met J.J. Abrams a day of my life I've never tested for the movie I've never been in any sort of pool for for finalists of this thing Um, but it was great for publicity I'll give you that but you know I realized at that point because this is before Justice League even happened Yeah, I realized at that point I was like, well, it seems like Hollywood is run on hype. You right. know, it's it's all it's rumors, speculation. Sure. Who's doing what? When are they doing it? How are they doing it? We need to get them so they don't get them. Like that kind of that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, a, a day, a month in that sort of life was spent just sort of like trying to ground myself. Yeah. Because after Zach had uh, after Zach had called me and told me about the role and said, yeah. hey, listen, you know, we want you to play it. Uh, he put me in contact with Chris Terrio, who was staying in New York at the yeah. time. And, uh, you know, he and I got to just chat about everything, you yeah. know. And they sent me every Cyborg comic just about ever created. Right. And, you know, we started, I was able to sort of, like, look at who the character was in such detail and be able to, and I was able to sort of pick the attributes from each iteration that I wanted to use for the character. So you went all the way back to, like, 1980. You were Red Crisis and all Ab- that stuff. Everything. Absolutely. And that, to me, is the, that that is the basis of where everything is with Cyborg in our movie here today. I right. Mean, it's, he was such a grounded and real character. 
Thunder, yeah. um, which I found really, really exciting, especially because you're dealing with so many crazy superpowers. You're dealing with, like, I mean, so many things that are so far-fetched. Sure. You know, if you don't ground it in some semblance of realism, um, you know, it, it just simply becomes, like, it, it just becomes, you know, show. It just becomes fights and whatever. Right. You, know, you need something to sort of anchor it to emotion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's there's moments, um, you know, obviously that I'm, that I'm... I'm looking forward to the world getting to watch it. I loved the movie. Mm. I was really excited about it. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Was, uh, I was really super excited to get to watch it a little early to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, I love one of the things in, in the movie. Uh, your dad is played by Joe Morton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, were you a Terminator 2 fan growing up? You know, I saw Terminator 2 maybe twice, once. I don't even think I saw it in theaters yeah, growing up. Yeah. Um, I, don't know if I, I don't think I was old enough at the time. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, I, I've seen it twice just on TV. Uh, and my buddy Andy, who's just like you know James Cameron and everything yeah, right. has it all I uh, and I'd heard this this, this I had seen like this meme like uh, Joe Morton at it again creating cyborgs yeah, right. yeah. that kind of thing <laughs> yeah and I was like you know what that's pretty funny. that's it's, pretty funny it's pretty funny cuz like it's such a memorable character in Terminator 2 he's yeah. he, Miles Dyson he's such a great character yeah. and it's just so funny that like that's the most notable thing I can think of probably in his entire career that he's yeah. going to do is to be in a Justice League movie where he's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was too much for well, me. Definitely yeah. under different circumstances, though. And Joe, I mean, he's a consummate professional. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, my hat's off to him because, you know, we'd be shooting the movie. He would fly in for a couple days, then fly back out to go finish shooting Scandal or whatever yeah, he was right. working on. You know, he had a play he was working on at the time, uh, which I think is still going on. And uh, I think it's transferred to California at this point. Yeah. And uh, I asked him, I said, where do you get the energy? Like, where do you get the time? Like, I'm, I'm just struggling trying to build momentum for myself with just this project. Yeah. And he said, well, listen, you know, it comes with time. You know, we're actors. We're not always working. And so when you get those 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 bursts where your, your schedule is full, you learn to you learn to indulge in them and really, really revel in it. So yeah. I took that with me from him for sure. So talk to me a little about that. You just mentioned trying to that momentum, that energy. Mm-hmm. When you kind of get up in the morning these days, like obviously, you know, if, if you work at a bar here, you, you know, you're a lawyer or whatever, like your day is very consumed with. You know, you make breakfast, you go to work, you come home. Mm-hmm. Obviously, your life's all over the world. You're shooting for eight months. You've got now you're in this like stratosphere of what things are going on. What do you think about it throughout the day? What you know, there's still a lot of days where you're not working. You know, uh, I think you, when you get that burst and you're like, okay, I'm going to be shooting eight months. You you sort of prep your energy for that amount of time. Yeah. But now that I'm back, now that we're done, you know, there was a lot of nothing to do up yeah. until the point where we started promoting the film. So you're reading scripts, you know, you're, you're keeping it in best, as best a shape as you possibly can, yeah. you know, because you never know what's going to come up, what's going to happen, you know, what, what opportunity is going to come up, and you want to stay ready. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I would say it's still the same grind. It's literally the same exact grind as what I, was, as what I had before. It's just, it seems that opportunities are sort of coming to us uh, yeah. instead of me having to, to, to chase them down and, and, and fight tooth and nail for them specifically. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I mean, same same kind of grind. Absolutely same kind of grind. I tell my friends who are, you know, still knee-deep in the in the hustle, yeah. like, my problems are exactly the same as what they've always been. It's just a different, it's just a, a different scale. Right. Yeah. You're just on buses now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, you talked to me a little bit off camera about, uh, like, the stuff you nerd out about, you board games and stuff like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, man, yeah. Do you still feel like, you mentioned back in New York, you find time to hang with your buddies and, and play all those games? Any like, any time I get a chance to go to New York we were setting up my buddy Andrew just actually texted me he was like we should get a board game night while you're in New York because I'm going back in a couple days uh, before the premiere of Justice League Right. and uh, he's like we got some pretty treacherous board games that our good buddy Scott (laughs) because you know I'm a big fan of like 
like you know, uh, like the Game of Thrones board game yeah, right, and, and FIFA, anything that involves like strategy, team play, yeah. like diplomacy, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. And so, anytime we get a, a second, and even on some like you know simulators online, we'll yeah. even play up, up there if we can get everybody together. But you know, being in different different time zones is a little bit a little bit more complicated. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually play tested a game um, called Seafall. Okay. Back before that came out, and I think this was. Um, uh, I forget how many years ago this was, but uh, I haven't played the the game since we had play tested it. Yeah. But I hear it's uh, I hear it's pretty good. So you're like, if I was going to ask you before this, if you're a big time nerd, because obviously you're a comic book character, <laughs> feels like more, you're answering the question before I'd say I even more, ask more it. More geek than nerd. I feel like. Okay. Sure. Well, actually, no. Is it nerds or geeks? Which ones know math? I I have no idea. I think it's nerds know math. Geeks are, are into like yeah. the geeky culture of things. So sure. It's uh, I, I I'm not as much of a nerd as I am a geek for right. sure. But you know, even growing up, you know, I'd play trading card games. I still play trading card games to this day. Yeah. Uh, uh, whenever I get a chance, man. <laughs> yeah, you were you were talking about Yu-Gi-Oh, and I'm a big Magic guy. Yeah, that yeah, world's yeah. so much fun. I feel like it, that's like it's such an interactive world that it's hard because there's so much information there that unless you really At, unless you stick, keep up with it, yeah. it you, you will get left behind. There's like yeah. these huge generation gaps where like you play Yu-Gi-Oh for a certain amount of time, and then you go a couple years and 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 you miss some things. Like the whole game has changed; it's completely right. changed. Uh, but me and my buddy Presley, we were actually laughing this morning about Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, we we love doing like impersonations right. of of all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Yugi, oh, yeah. I'm going to take your life points. <laughs> take you down to zero, Yugi. Kaiba, you'll never defeat me. Not with the heart of the cards. <laughs> it's like... You're a good actor. I was oh. just... If I'd closed my eyes, I would have felt like I was watching the cartoon. I mean, I spent so much time watching that, you know, and this is like old school Yu-Gi-Oh! Back when Pegasus would be like, hmm, Yugi boy. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I play my blue eyes tune dragon. Hmm. Did you love... It's, <laughs> did you love, like Dragon Ball Z and all that loved stuff? Loved Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Um, my buddy Presley is much more into Dragon Ball Z than I am at this point in time, but yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, Dragon Ball Fighters on uh, uh, on uh, on, P- on PS4. Okay, I'm yeah. a huge like fighting game fan. Yeah, it's such yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, getting back to cartoons because it does relate to what we're talking about. For sure. You watched. I, I read you watched Batman and, and Justice League and that stuff growing up, right? Yeah, For absolutely. Your, so you were aware of the character Cyborg before this happened. I was aware of, uh, of Cyborg. I think the only iteration that I knew of him yeah. was the Teen Titans cartoon show in the early 2000s. I mean, before that, I was literally the kid who was doing his homework in the car on the way home in order to be able to just plop myself in front of the TV right, and watch Batman the Animated Series, watch Justice League, watch Batman Superman Adventures, watch everything after school. Those so, are good shows. I mean, I learned very early on, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I can do what I want to do immediately after. Right. So just get it out of the way, clean my room, make sure everything's good to go, and then nobody bothers me. So... I remember watching the Batman animated series. That was my favorite coming yeah, up. Yeah, sure. You and I are about the same age, I think. So I think so, yeah. I would come home and I'd watch uh, you know, Batman animated series. Those first couple seasons. When it got to be Batman Superman, I thought it was still good. Mm-hmm. But those early seasons were my favorite. I mean, those are like full-on like dramatic. Like they, they could just take those episodes and turn them into full-on movies. movies and they yeah. would be phenomenal. They would be phenomenal, man. I mean, and those lessons were deep. I think it was a much deeper show than like they had anticipated for like kids of a certain age yeah but it was it was great man well it makes sense right because the tim burton movie was kind of adult and they were trying mm-hmm. to take that momentum and turn it into an animated show so yeah. they mm-hmm. wanted to be able to straddle the sort of the two sides and i don't know it. if you remember but they had actually started playing that show it was during like the six o'clock hour in the evening when it originally started airing and then yeah. they were like you know what let's move it to the after school hour uh at a certain point yeah but funny story a couple months ago i'm walking around in new york city i'm in the i'm in the subway yeah and actually run into kevin conroy oh, okay as the voice of uh bruce wayne batman yeah. in the animated series yeah and uh I'm on the phone talking to my buddy and I'm walking and walking I'm like I think I just saw Kevin Conroy. He's like, man, you better turn around and say something. And yeah. I start like geeking out. I'm just like, yeah. I turn around. I'm like, uh, excuse me, are you Kevin Conroy? And he goes, 
yes I am yeah. and I'm like hi I'm Ray yeah, Fisher yeah. I'm playing a cyborg in the live action movie yeah. I appreciate your work sir and then I just like scared it, yeah. scared it off yeah. <laughs> he was like he's like yes I am um, <laughs> I, so I interviewed him over the summer at Comic Con yeah yeah and uh, because there was a new movie uh, I think was it like Batman and Harley Quinn or something was coming out yeah yeah and so at the end of the interview I was like hey would you do me a favor he's like sure I was like uh, you know I wrote some lines for you what if, what if Batman lived in LA and he was like, I'm sure it'd be a very different character. And I was like, would you mind saying these in the Batman voice? And so he's like, picks the cards up and he's like, I'll take Kale with my salad. And I like gave him all these lines and he was like, oh, Warner Brothers is going to kill me. It was like pretty funny. But yeah, I nerded out so hard. That could be guy. a whole nother universe of things when Batman goes to like Earth 85 and, you know, right. he's like just, he's surfer Batman just yeah. chilling out. Oh yeah. yeah, he's very, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so um, anyway, so so you watch these, these growing up and you, yeah. you got into Cyborg and you, you really embraced the character. So... So now, do you feel like you know as much as pretty much anybody about this guy? I wouldn't say so, no. I mean, I feel like I, I, I know enough to hold a, a, an argument for any version of Cyborg being what it is that we see on camera. Yeah. Um, but, no, I wouldn't say that I'm... I mean, there are people who, who literally study these as if they are, are, are holy writ. Right. You know? So, I mean, it depends on the iteration you're going with. It's like, do you go new Teen Titans? Do you go Teen Titans, the cartoon show? Do you go... Yeah. Which are two very different, uh, completely different characters. Do you go Cyborg, Justice League, New 52? Like... Um, there's a version of Cyborg for everybody. And luckily, since he's relatively new to the whole game, uh, there isn't this sort of... Uh, there isn't this sort of set tone for him just yeah. yet, you know. Um, you can still experiment with him and, and, and evolve him the same way that his technology will continue to evolve, you know. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about in, in an interview of yours that I read that you wanted the Cyborg standalone to be kind of more of an intimate movie. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it would serve the story in an interesting way. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, there's so many different ways you can go with the character, but, you know, since we're, we're dealing with so many, like, world-changing events, it's just my personal preference for, you know, solo films to sort of be their own, you know, sort of be their own thing. Right. Because um, you have to explain at the end of the day why these other characters don't show up to right. help save the day. Of course, and that's one of my that's one of my things. Like if they, if you can make if you can make a superhero movie and also have it have some semblance of logic um, that makes sense on top of it. Yeah, it, that's definitely something I respond to personally. Now, I mean, you know, uh, people have all types of opinions about what it is, but that's just mine. You know. So with the choice, obviously, with the with the group, as we've seen from the trailer, you know, you've got. Ezra Miller and he's kind of the comic relief and, and your guy he's pretty serious in the movie mm. he's definitely you know he's, he's thoughtful but he's not the comic relief version that the cartoons showed no was that a conversation that you had in development like hey have you thought about this at all or were they pretty set on him being well I think the idea you know if we're going with the new 52 version of Cyborg yeah. where you know he is introduced as a founding member of the Justice League that is the primary source of how he came into being gotcha the fact that Cyborg is only re- has only recently become Cyborg is it plays a big part in his psychology for this film and the idea that you don't want to grow a character too much uh, too quickly yeah. either otherwise you have nowhere to go you know it ends up everybody right. ends up becoming comic relief sure. and then we end up in a sitcom which yep. works for some things but not for others not for this movie so, <laughs> um i mean my thing is if if we if we approach the reality of his situation because he goes through some deep stuff yeah you know he's lost his body he's lost his mother he's lost the ability to live a normal life all in one fell swoop yeah and also he's put together by a person his father who he did not have a great relationship prior to his accident yeah um it it, it you know to play the reality of that in in with all these crazy powers it to me it just seemed like it was the right thing to do yeah and luckily with Zack Snyder and 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 what he had set and with Chris Terrio at the helm I felt like I was in great hands yeah yeah you so you don't see a lot of your body as the character cyborg obviously he's very Mm -hmm. armored yeah um and there's this 
you guys are all jacked in the movie. Everybody's just like shredded. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody's running around. And I know, obviously, I was reading that you've gained and lost weight for various roles in your life, like 20, 30 pounds. Is that, like, do you feel competitive with the other guys, even though it's mostly your chest and your head that's showing? You know, no. There were some football sequences that we shot. Okay, um, gotcha. And there were, some, there were some sequences of Victor Stone prior to his accident. You gotcha. Know? So in order to portray a college football player, I had to put on a For significant sure. amount of weight. I was about 30 pounds heavier than where I am today. Yeah. Um, and when I played Muhammad Ali in a play off Broadway, I had to put on 20 pounds uh, to play him. Yep. So, I mean, as far as competition goes, no. I mean, you walk in there, we're all sweating the same kind of sweat. We're yeah, right. all going through torture. Yeah. We're all having to eat the same sort of meals. But we're, but we're also all working toward different goals. Yeah. So, you know, Ezra's working on agility, mobility, flexibility, those sorts of things. And, and, and don't, don't get it twisted. He's just as strong, if not stronger, than most of us. Like, there's a connection that he has with, like, his, with his, with his, with his chi that yeah. just, like... Ezra. I absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, it's, I, I say this with, with absolutely, with absolute seriousness... The guy's strong. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, and, and Jason's working on different things. We all had different goals, but we sure. all just had to do it in the same room. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're also training in there with a lot of the Themyscirans, a lot of the Amazons who are in right. the movie. And so there's, if there's any competition, you look over at those ladies working, you're just like, look, we got to band together because they are strong. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't, do, we won't be able to take them if we, if we needed to. They're you know? badasses. Oh, my God. Oh, ridiculous. my God. Ridiculous. I mean, they worked harder, ten, 10 times harder than any of us. So, yeah. you know, it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing to see. Can you talk to me a little bit about the difference between when you're going to be in every movie theater in the world and you're trying to gain weight for a role versus in 2013 when you're doing it for an off-Broadway play? Yeah. Um, what's the process like for you? I mean, one's obviously in your hands entirely almost. The other is you're part of the machine, right? For sure. For To play Ali, uh, that was basically all me. I had a trainer, you know, when the play was actually rehearsing, which was yeah. for about a month and a half prior to that play opening. But, you know, that original iteration of that play happened in 2010, and I wasn't even playing Muhammad Ali at the time. I yeah. was playing a non-speaking, uh, non-speaking guard, and I was, like, super skinny. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ben Vereen, who was one of the actors in it at the time, he says, you know, I tell him, I'm like, well, look, if this ever moves to New York, I want to understudy Ali. And he's like, look, man, if you start training now, you could play Ali. Yeah. And so three years later, mind you, and this is an absurd amount of time to wait on a play, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's <right>. three years. <laughs> and, but every day I'm getting up running. Every day I'm getting up and I'm eating more than I usually do doing push-ups and trying to get my body prepared for what I would hope would be this plays uh, this play coming to New York this opportunity yeah. absolutely and you know three years later uh, it ends up working out yeah but that all of that was it, it was just on me but I I felt so passionately about the piece that it was enough to get me up out of bed in the morning and I'm just like I know this is gonna happen I know it's gonna happen I know it's gonna happen so yeah. I end up finally getting the call and they said, well, we want you to read for Muhammad Ali in this, uh, in this workshop we're doing. I was like, this is it. This is what it's all been for. And I'm glad I spent every, every piece of sweat, every drop of blood, every tear I've yeah. shed, every injury I've inflicted on myself. You know, uh, it, it was worth it, you know, because you ended up seeing it pay off. And so, you know, the same process, and it was a three-year process for that play. It's been a three-year process for this film as well. Yeah. Walking into the gym and having Mark Twight and Stu Walton, who are our trainers on the piece, uh, you know, for this, my meals are mapped out. Right. They tell me exactly what I need to eat. They tell me exactly what I need to do and exactly when I need to do it, how much water I need to drink, all of that. So I actually felt taken care of. I was right. like, listen, all I got to do is just follow these instructions. 
and it'll be good, yep. you know? And it actually, it works. It really does. I felt like I kind of got spoiled because when the movie's over and I go back home, I'm like, oh, well, I don't have a trainer anymore. Tell yeah. me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess I, I got to work up the motivation somehow. You know, yeah. you, you, you do you do sort of get spoiled with that kind of thing. I would imagine. Yeah, and I've had to, since then, I've had to reacclimate myself to motivating myself to get up. Yeah. And motivating myself to say, okay, well, I don't have this person tell me what to do or what to eat, but I, I, I know what it is. Like, I just got to push through and do it. Taking back for a second what you were just talking about. Yeah. The play we're talking about is Fetch Clay Make Stone. It was Ma- the- uh, Fetch Clay Make Man. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, and my, my question is that at that moment when you said all this preparation and this belief that it was going to be this thing you wanted to do, do you think that that experience was the, was the biggest life changer? I mean, I've, compared to this, it's sort of different, but prior to being part of a blockbuster, was that the biggest moment in your professional career? Yes, for sure. Um, the thing is, it was something that I put my absolute all into. And, you know, I know I have a lot of friends who are super dedicated and put their all into everything they do. And you don't necessarily always see the the benefits of that. Yeah. Um, But for this, it was such a it was such an experience where, you know, there were so many crazy little bits that connected that got me to that place. You know, I had heard about the play from a friend of a friend, a woman I didn't even know who didn't know me anything in the world. You know, she she emails my friend and says, oh, well, this play sounds like that guy Ray you were telling me about. Uh, you might want to pass it along to him. Yeah. If it hadn't been for her, this woman I didn't even know, passing that information along and then me following up on it and there being a bunch of crazy uh, uh, small acts of kindness from other people in yeah. my life um, and, a, and being a part of that process, I would, uh, we literally would not be sitting here having this conversation today. I can go back and map it out person to person, interaction to interaction, and and see how humbling that road has been. Yeah. So as much as it is the hard work, you do need a little bit of luck, and and thankfully I, I've had that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when you were doing that play, like the the seeds of okay, the world's kind of paying attention to this a little bit, like what they were. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ang Lee actually came and saw yeah, the play. I about this. He uh, he at the time he was working on a and I think he is still in developing a 3D boxing movie about Muhammad Ali and yeah. Joe Frazier and their rivalry. So when he comes and sees the show. Mind you, I don't have an agent or a manager at the time. That's so cool. And so when he comes and sees the show, that's when like agents and managers sort of start swooping in. It's yeah. like, who's this guy he's talking about? What's going on? We need to sign him. We need to sign him. I literally had a different lunch every day before the show, and I was having a different dinner every night after the show, meeting people. Just after Ang came to the show? I mean, it's all hype. It's the Hollywood hype of it all, man. Wow. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, um, it, I understood at that point what it was. And it kind of got me a little bit defensive because... Here I am, not yeah. having an agent or a manager for many, 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 many years, grinding, trying to find some work on my own. Then all of a sudden, people start, you know, promising you the world. Of course. And you know, you don't get something for nothing. Uh, I've, I've learned that. Um, so it, it, I ended up signing with an agent and a manager from there. Ended up taking my first trip out to L.A. and meeting with a bunch of the studio, uh, studio casting directors, and just studio folks in general. And that's when I met up with the folks in Warner Brothers. Cool. And things just started taking off from there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. It was crazy. And it's, it's like I said, it's it, there was no solid, there was nothing solid to hold on to. You know, people were enticed by the hype of it, the potential for it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it they, they jumped on it. Are you, have you been in touch with Aang at all about that movie or no? Uh, it's still in development right now. Uh, I haven't talked to anyone about it in in quite some time, but... You know, I hope he gets it made for sure. Yeah, he's a brilliant director. Absolutely, man. Uh, so, so I read in an article that you were you were talking about that you imagined that, that your success was going to come in your forties. That you said I was I'm, I'm a guy who's going to take it slow and I don't expect too much. So by the time you're 33, you're going to have a, a a cyborg standalone film opening in theaters with you as the star. You're the guy. 
so talk to me a little bit about like that, what that means to you when you think about who you were. Ba- I mean, who were you basing your career? This idea of the '40s off of? Like, I mean, I'm just basing it off of this idea. Like, you got to play the long game. You yeah. know, you when you're in school, it's one of those things you you sort of get the idea that oh, I'm going to be the one that happens for immediately. It's going to yeah. happen for me immediately. But I had some great teachers who said, listen, don't expect to have anything solid for the first five years. If you're expecting to just get out of school and book everything, you will be heartbroken. Yeah. And luckily, because, you know, my my successes have come fewer and further between, uh, I've had time to really evaluate what it is I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, with respect to the success of the film industry, I I planned on staying in theater for as long as that would happen, as long as they would have me until somebody came calling or came looking. Yeah. And that plan just happened to work out many years prior to what I was imagining would happen. You know, I'm six foot three. You know, my voice is a certain kind of voice. You know, yeah. it, 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 it could look incongruous to certain people on film. It's like, well, he looks young, but his voice is deep. Like, how do we cast him? Like, what do we yeah, do? Yeah, I get you. And so, you know, until I grew into my features, which I assume would probably be around like 40, 45. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, there are too many roles out there for me, you know. And the, sure. the, the idea that... Uh, I, the idea that I had never envisioned it being in the superhero space of things, I was like, you know what? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, right. As You're... soon as now, now that I now that I know, it was just a specific role that I needed to fill that gap, that time. Um, yeah. So you talk about that. I, I listened to an interview recently with uh, Michael B. Jordan, and mm. it was actually Bill Simmons, and he asked him, you know, who do you see as your peer? Sort of like who's on your corner for your roles? Mm. And and what he said was, as an actor of color, it's so difficult. It feels like. I'm going out for the same roles Denzel's going out for still. Yeah. Who do you kind of see as your peers? Do you feel that same way? Honestly, because of the way that Hollywood is going and the sort of diverse nature that's opening up, yeah. I mean, everybody's, everybody's your peer. You know, you can get cast in a role for any, diff- any number of reasons, and a lot of which it's like it ends up being sort of hype, you know? Sure. I'm not sure what goes into everyone's casting process. But for me, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to specify my experience to simply being a black experience in Hollywood. Yeah. Other people may see it that way, you know, and if certain roles come along that don't reflect my values with that, I'll just say thank you, but no thank you. You know, I'm not going to be sort of pushed into a into a corner or a direction that I don't want to be in. Yeah. I can go back to theater. You know what I mean? I can go do Shakespeare. I can go play yeah. Hamlet. I can go, I can do whatever I want with sure. respect to that and have it be colorblind. So, um, you know, in so far as all that's concerned, I would just say people around you age range I mean these sure. days I think yeah. every, every, I think these days everybody's reading everything um, and if you've got a good enough agent or manager who's able to get you into certain rooms and get casting people and get executives to think differently about how they see a role yeah. based on different attributes you're in good hands yeah um, I think we definitely still have a long way to go with with respect to diversity and, and everything. But you know what what I've got for me right now is 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 mine, and I'm happy with that. I'm content with that until the next thing that I'm passionate about comes along. So talking about then the way that you did see your career, who were the guys you grew up watching? Who were your idols? The guys uh, that you wanted to be? I watched everybody, man. Wesley Snipes is Blade. You know, Michael Wesley Keaton Snipes. is Batman. You know, it, 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 in the superhero space, like it just couldn't be touched. Yeah. So you know, and also a consummate professional is like the golden, at least my golden age of Hollywood during the '90s. You know, obviously Denzel Washington, Will Smith, the, everybody. You know, yeah. I, I would watch a movie and see and see things that I could pull from every person that I watched, good or bad. Yeah. You know? Um, I had a starstruck moment, and this is the first and only time I had ever been starstruck in my life. Yeah, I used to bartend for the theaters on Broadway, right? Yeah, and so I, I, a lot of the stars would, you know, walk in the same stage door as us. You know, their, their dressing rooms were near the same area where we'd walk in. Right, and I was bartending at a Cat on the Hot Tin Roof. Okay, and it was starring James Earl Jones. Cool. Right, so I walk into the theater and I walk past the door, and he's just sitting there reading the newspaper. In his dressing room, just like hanging out. 
And I like walk past and like double take. I'm like, I was like, oh man, that's James Earl Jones. Yeah. I was like, oh shoot. So I go talk to my bar manager and I'm like, yo, I just saw James Earl Jones. He was just sitting there reading the paper like a normal guy. Right. And he's just like, just knock on the door and say hi. Like he likes for people to say hi to him. That's so cool. And I was cool. like, okay, cool. So I go in the next day and I'm like, uh, uh, excuse me, Mr. Jones. Like voice crap. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm serious, man. He looks over and he's like, yes, do I know you? And I'm like, uh, my name's Ray Fisher. I'm, I'm an actor. I just wanted to say, like, I really appreciate your work, sir. Um, you know, and I start rambling, babbling over top of, course, of myself. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Yeah. And we just sit there and just chat for 20 minutes about wow. everything and nothing. We talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. We talk about, like, just, 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 you know, just, just, just life, you know? And so after that experience, being able to sit with him and see somebody so humble and so cool who was at, like, this point in my mind and sort of bringing him down to the the fact that he met me at my level. Yeah. I was like, that's the kind of person I want to be. You know, if there, if I have any success in this business, I want to hold on to that. Of course. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's amazing. That's and, such a cool story. Yeah. And, you know, bartending for those theaters, man, you saw a lot of people walking right. in and out of there and uh, a lot of different shows. We got to meet Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. We had a barbecue for the theater wow. that they were, that we were doing. Uh, uh, I was bartending at and they were doing fences. Yeah. So, you know, just people across the spectrum and I got to see them in a much different setting than you know than I, I am meeting these people again today yeah and so when I tell them stories like oh I used to bartend at the theater that you did that play at they're like oh did you yeah oh, okay like Whoopi Goldberg to this day is still one of the nicest people I think I've ever met you know she comes downstairs we're, we're bartending at a, a play called Race that Carrie Washington was in and, yeah. uh, and James Spader and Dave Allen Greer she comes down and buys a Kit Kat and I'm just like how you doing Miss Goldberg and she's like oh, I'm doing okay baby how you doing <laughs> and I'm just like oh I'm good good she's like alright take care sweetie just like just just nice people yeah. you know um, yeah it, 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 that to me was an invaluable experience because it, it, it sort of it, it grounded these people who I saw as like larger than life at that time yeah yeah. yeah. I know that I used to bartend as well and so I okay. and here in LA obviously so the same sort of thing you yeah. see famous people just sort of come in and, yeah. and you're just all right, well, and then right, you you interact more in that world. That's really cool, though. That's those are those are amazing stories. Um, I'm so jealous that you've gotten to meet Denzel. He's like, yeah, he's top. That's like that's like very high on my list. I think guys. I forget what he brought to the barbecue because it was a it was like a potluck, so everybody brought yeah. something. I think it was like maybe fried fish or or, or maybe chicken or something of that yeah. nature. But it was it was great, man. It was really great. One very important question for you um, is um, is Gal Gadot actually an Amazon? Yes. She is. Yes. Is that a true or false question? True. <laughs> is, that, is it speed round? She, yes. I, I feel like when I watch her in the in the in Wonder Woman, and then in this movie, I like watch her on screen. I'm just like, that's a human being. That is that's, a human being. She's yes. like so. I just can't stop. She's just like entrancing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, she's a beautiful person inside, foremost, and outside, secondarily. You yeah. Know, it's and I think that's what people love to watch. You know, there's certain actors, regardless of what they look like on the on the on the on the outside, there's yeah. a sort of magnetism that they have when you watch them. And I think, you know, her magnetism just, just shines right through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Very I think warm. if she had the same spirit in a different body, it would be the same thing. You'd be like, there's something about that person. I just can't, I can't put my finger on it. It's just, I just want to watch them. Doesn't surprise me. I love that they made the Amazons all uh, have her accent. That's, yeah. like, that's like one of the best stories. <laughs> um, so, all right, to, talking about the movie, just, uh, just for another couple minutes here. Yeah. Uh, the, the phrase Unite the Seven was thrown out a lot before. Uh, it was, was, it that, was. That was on, like, posters and things like that. And without getting too much into it, uh, we know from the press that's been out there, uh, there's there's six people that have been doing press for this movie. Who? Uh, well, who, who are those people? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. So so is there 
anything you can tell me about what the seven means. Uh, well, from what I hear tell, Unite the Seven, was uh, which was on an Aquaman poster, I believe. I believe Unite the Seven was actually Unite the Seven Seas, which okay. is what Aquaman is is trying to do, Unite the Seven Kingdoms of Atlantis. That's what that means. That's what that's what I hear, but there may be some other things going on, too. Okay. It, could, it could be like one of those double meanings. Sure, so right. Double entendres. As opposed to suggest some things. Absolutely. Uh, as, a, as a fan now of the comic books, you've read a ton of them, mm-hmm. and we know who's in this movie. Uh, are there any characters that you are particularly excited to see brought to this franchise? Mm. Uh, you know what? I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested to see how they expand on Lex Luthor. Yeah. You know, at some point in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, I love I love Jesse's interpretation of Lex Luthor. You know, yeah. I think it was I think it was very different. Very and, different. Yeah. And I think that it uh it, it sort of encapsulated both both him and him and uh, Ben's uh, portrayal. I think you know it sort of encapsulated where everything was at in in the realm of Batman v Superman. Yeah. And that you had these these billionaires who were essentially made low in the sight of Superman, who doesn't have money, he doesn't have riches, he doesn't have he yeah. has pa- he has power in a different way, but all he wants to do is good. You know, it it, it sort of. It makes us question our ideas of power right. and what that means. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see like where he goes from there. Yeah. Because if you remember at the end of BBS, like he's just getting the shave. He's just got the the right. baldy. So right. uh, I want to see like how he evolves that in the future. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think we're just running out of time. So no. I want to ask no. you so many more questions. We've got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about the movie and your career. Your, your story is really inspiring. I love, I love the stuff you were telling me about that moment on Broadway. I think that's, that's just so cool to know that you, because we didn't even talk about it, but I know, you know 2008 was your first time doing uh, Shakespeare Live, the stuff mm. with Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that was another big moment for you as well. For sure. I feel like everything has been, every moment that I've had has seemed like the biggest moment at the time until yeah. another moment comes after it, right, you know? Right. And I've been just as grateful, you know, for the opportunities that I had back then as I am now. Like, that feeling hasn't changed. Yeah. My job is still the same. I'm still acting. I still get the same feeling of joy that I get from it. It's just a different scale now. Yeah. You know, so uh, hopefully I'll be able to return uh, in, in prime form to the theater, you know, sooner rather than later. But I'm just grateful, man. Last couple speed round questions sure before thing. we wrap speed, up. Speed it up. Let's see. Let's see what we got. So you know, I know you were a choir singer. I know that you uh, you 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 were a singer. I did and, a, did a little bit, just a touch. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know because of your pipe singing the Pokemon song <laughs> that you've got talent. So what's your karaoke song if you go out? Living in America, James Brown. Hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm of the mindset. I'm like, you know what? If we ever change the national anthem, it should be Living in America by James Brown. Rocky the Rocky Four special. Oh my gosh, it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, if you had a sonic cannon, what would you do with it? Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Uh, just I guess we'd blast some garbage in outer space, blast it into the sun, okay. you know, clean up the earth a little bit. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, number one director in the whole world that you want to work with in your career? Oh, in the whole world. I mean, I've worked with Zach at this point, so that's yeah. that's done. Uh, I would say Ang Lee. Man, I like I like how eclectic his style is right. with the films that he works on, Major for sure. Movies, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, no movie is ever the same. Never works on the same thing twice. Never. No. Um, winner of two Oscars, but neither film won Best Picture. Do you know that? Interesting. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Okay. Rare. I think he might be the only one ever to do that. I think. To win director and not He won not for Brokeback and Life of Pi. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. movies lost Best Picture. So the, more, the more you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Thank you so much for hanging out. Where can thank folks you, find you. you if they want to follow you along with your career? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on the Instagram. Yeah. You can find me on Vero. You can find me on Weibo. You can find me in your in your, in your heart and in your soul. Just, just holler Borg life and I'll be there. Right. Uh, you find me at Ray Fisher. 
or my name spelled backwards, R E H S I F Y A R at any of those uh, at any of those uh, social media websites. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming, guys. If you want to follow along with me, uh, tweet at me, Ben Bateman Media. You can find me there. And uh, congratulations. I'm really excited for this. Thanks, Ben. And thank you for the living in America. Who's playing that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, turn that up a little bit. I need a little bit more James in my in my headphones. Ow! <laughs> Overload. Just fly behind the wheel. Now how does it feel there with this no destiny? Oh, I'm in the most strong. Yeah. Pump it up. You got to pick the mic up. Godfather of soul. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Living in America. Sing with me, Ben. Eye to eye. That's all right. <laughs> station to station. Living in America. There it is. There it is. Hand in Mom hand. Kevin Undergaro, Across the Christie, nation. Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff. We would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined.